I want us to start tonight talking about 2 Peter. And we, we won't get very far in 2 Peter, but, but I want us to kind of lay the groundwork, which is really what he does. You remember, we, we sp- already spent quite a bit of time this year talking about 1 Peter. Uh, 1 Peter is, is an interesting letter because it's talking about remaining true in your Christianity in spite of all of these outside uh, attacks against your faith, right? Uh, th- this righteous living in, 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 the faith, in, in the face of suffering. I'm going, to, I'm going to do what's right even when I suffer for doing what is right. Uh, if I could sum up the first letter or, or that, that, that Peter writes. Second Peter, it, it shifts gears a little bit. In Second Peter, it, it, the focus becomes this danger that is coming from within. The danger that comes from within the church and from within the body of Christ. The threats that come from false teaching, from ungodly living. Uh, from, from strange ideas about God and how God relates to man. Uh, both of those things are, are, are things that can destroy our Christianity. And so we have to be on the lookout for both. Well, Peter begins this letter, and, and he begins with his normal introductory words. And in verse 4, he just talks about who we are. And, and you know that there are these portions of the epistles that are so easy to skip over, but... I love, what, I love their existence because they describe who we are. And sometimes we struggle with the words to describe who we are. Well, Peter and Paul and many other leaders do a, such a great job. And in verse 4, he kind of sums this up. And he says, For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises. We are people of the promise. In order that By them you might become partakers of the divine nature. We are people who are partakers of the divine nature of God. We are closer to God than anyone in existence. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. See, there is that old man, that dead man of sin that we have left behind. We have escaped from that existence. We have escaped from that reality. It's a pretty, pretty good description of just what it ought to mean to be a Christian. Partakers of the promise. Partakers of the divine nature. Those who have escaped the corruption of the world. Now for this, now for this reason, he says, applying all diligence in your faith, supply For this reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. And So what Peter is beginning to say here is, okay, you're in the family. You have been born again. You are a Christian. But that's just the beginning. Every one of us needs to be growing in our faith. To be adding to our faith. And so he gives this this list of things that he says we need to pay attention to. When we think about our faith, you you remember what what the Hebrew writer says about faith there in Hebrews chapter 11? Faith is is the substance of those things that are hoped for. It's the evidence of those things that are not seen. But I like what he says in the next verse. 
For by it the men of old gained approval. How did these people in the great hall of faith do what they did? They had faith. They believed in the power and the promises of God. They believed that God not only was real, but that He was a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. They believed that God was real and that God has an impact on their life. When we come to that point, and you may have small faith, you may have great faith. You remember the disciples said, I believe, help my unbelief. I don't know if there's a more relatable statement in all of the New Testament, right? Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. He says you grow from there. And some people look at, look, at, look at this verse and they see a very strict progression that we, we basically stack these things one upon another. And there may be some merit to that. I, I struggle with that a little bit because love, which is the very last thing on this list, seems to be a, a foundational part of the Christian life. So I'm not sure that I, I really buy into the interpretation. This is a strict just stacking one upon another. You know, once you get this, then you go to this. But you see an, an intertwining of these things that he says, I want you to think about these things in your life and how you are growing in these things. So you start off, you start off with faith, right? You start off with this reality that you believe that he is and, he, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. For Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, for we walk by faith and not by sight. I, I believe we have that in common here tonight. Whether you are the most mature or the least mature, I believe that we are a people of faith. Those who have escaped the world. How do I grow my faith? Well, he tells us. Giving all diligence, he says, add to your faith virtue. The New American Standard says we are to add moral excellence to our faith. That means that there's a standard that we're striving to live by. That standard is not the standard of man. That standard is the standard of Jesus Christ. He was the perfect man. He never sinned. He never did the wrong thing. He never said the wrong thing. He never thought the wrong thing. He was perfect. That's what made him the perfect sacrifice. That's why his death was what, 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 that's why his death could, could fulfill the law, and our death cannot fulfill the law. See, so we come up very short of that. We come up very short of that. The Bible tells us, reminds us, even though we don't like to be reminded, there are none righteous. No, not one. Not even in this room. There's no perfect people in this room. For all have sinned, fall short of the glory of God, right? Romans 3, verse 23. We're studying that in Sunday morning in, in, our, in our Bible class. He says it's part of that mission that we have to look more and more like Christ. To put on virtue. As I begin to understand what is right and what is wrong, how does God expect me to, to function within, my, within, within this world? And there may be some big things that we look at and we say, well, okay, uh, I don't do those things because Christians don't do those things. Right? You, you read places like the Sermon on the Mount where he talks about murder. Well, you know, that would be wrong for you to murder someone. But, but to grow in your faith, Jesus says, I'm not just talking about murder, Grady. I'm talking about being angry 
with your brother. It's a higher standard, isn't it? So I'm feeling pretty good about my faith and my virtue when it comes to the fact that I've never killed anybody. But i got a long ways to go when I deal with this anger thing. That's how we grow. To, to love one another. He'll get to that in just a moment. But Jesus says, okay, but I want you to think about loving your enemies. And, and by the way, if you guys have these things licked, I would love to hear some explanations about how you did it because this is a challenge. Uh, and I think one of, the, one of the places we start is by acknowledging, I don't have this conquered. I, I'm, I'm working through these things. How is it that I can live like the mind of Christ in Philippians 2, thinking more of other people than I do of myself? That's a challenge, right? That's what I want. That's who Jesus was. In my Christian life, I need to be looking more and more like Christ, the perfect, sinless one. I'm not not trying to get get into self-righteousness here, but I would just ask you the question, are you a more virtuous person than you were five years ago in your life? Or have you just stayed the same? And if you've just stayed the same, I would ask you, were you on the level of Jesus five years ago? It's a tough question, isn't it? Because there's part of us and we think, well, I've got to a pretty good level, but but I'm I'm not saying I was like Jesus means i got some work to do. We all do. Add to your faith, virtue. To virtue, what does he say? Knowledge. To virtue, knowledge. Can I tell you that many people are not faithful to God because they have no idea what the Word of God says? There are many people who live, out, who live in this world who are openly rebellious against God. I understand that. They see what God says, they don't care what God says. But I'm telling you that there are many people who are in rebellion against God who have no clue what the Scriptures say. And if you don't believe that or if you don't know that, it's because you're not talking to people. Because my experience in talking to people is they don't know much about this book. They don't know much about this book. They don't know much about the Word and the will of God. Now, it's okay to be a babe in Christ, but it's not okay to stay a babe in Christ. Listen, if I'm going to grow my faith... I can't just will myself to these things. I want it to be based upon something. I want it to be based upon something. The Hebrew writer once again said in Hebrews chapter 5, verses 13 and 14, everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. That means I've got to grow in what I understand. It's a process for every single one of us. It's a process that's ongoing in our life. Most of the large studies that I've undertaken in my lifetime have simply because I listened to something or I read something or I heard something and I thought, I don't know much about that. I need to find out. I need need to invest the time in God's Word to figure this out. With the time that He's given me, I want to grow in my knowledge. I don't want to be intimidated by this book anymore. What do you know today that you didn't know five years ago? What do you understand in a deeper way that you didn't understand five years ago? Only only each one of us can answer these questions individually. He's saying, I know you're a Christian. That's a wonderful thing. Now let's grow. Add to your faith virtue, to your virtue knowledge, to your knowledge self-control. Proverbs 25 and verse 28. Proverbs says, Whoever has no rule over his own spirit 
is like a city broken down without walls. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit there in Galatians 5. The idea that self-control is, is so important to us. He says there is no law against it. Can I control myself? That's a challenge for us. Anybody ever known what the right thing to do was, but you struggled to do it? Can we all raise our hand on that? The more your knowledge grows, by the way, the harder self-control is going to become. Because you're going to know more about how you ought to be, about how you ought to act, right? I mean, as long as I'm just kind of going with my gut, self-control, I mean, I can, I can kind of follow that. But whenever I become convicted by the Word of God, then my standard gets even higher and I realize, oh, I'm not doing quite as hot as I thought I was. So you have to commit yourself to these things, to your virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance. I want you to grow in your consistency in the faith. Some days we do really good, don't we? Don't we? Some days, I mean, I'm like, I got this thing. I was like, man, I, was, I, was spending, I spent time on my knees and I was praying. I was in the Word. I was out there trying to share my faith. I was out there trying to serve people. I mean, it was all about the mind of Christ and I'm doing great. Sometimes I even do that for two days or three days in a row. Then what happens? I get distracted. Perseverance. I got to go beyond that one day to two days to three days to a week to a month to a year to a lifestyle. That's perseverance. That's the, that's the challenge for us to become more consistent in our faith. One person said that some of the greatest acts of courage are not found in the great acts of life, but rather in an individual's determination to get up one more time. The Hebrew writer said in Hebrews 12 and verse 1 that we run with endurance the race that is set before us. How many people like those, like those who, who, who had that seed sown in that, in that rocky soil have been all about their faith? They've been as saved as anybody in this room. But it didn't last. It just didn't last. He says, I want you to work on that. I want you to work on your endurance to perseverance godliness. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7 says, We discipline ourselves unto godliness. I want to look more like God, which means I look more like Christ. Right? It's much the same way that we think about when we, th when we talked about virtue. That's the reason I say there's a lot of overlap in these things. I want to be a godly person. And I believe you're here tonight. There, there's, a, there's a sense of godliness in you. I want to grow in my godliness. I want for someone to look at me and say, that's a godly man, and for people not to laugh. For people not to roll their eyes. For, for people not to be surprised. That's probably not always the case. That's why he says, I want you to grow in these things. To godliness, brotherly kindness. How do you treat each other? Jesus says in John 13 and verse 35, by, by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So we've got to think about this, right? As we're growing in our faith, how do I treat my brethren? That's about growing in our faith. Some people, some people do really well at, at being self-controlled within themselves, but they really stink at the way they treat other people. 
And in doing so, they betray Christ. We have to think about that. So, so, so there comes this point where my, where my faith is going to really shine in the way, in the way, that, uh, in the way I treat Miss Brenda and the way Miss Brenda treats me. Right? Well, it's going to be a challenge. I'm not always the easiest person to live with or to talk to, am I? No, I'll answer that for you so you don't have to, all right? So, but, but, but this idea, how do you treat your wife? How do you treat your husband? How do you treat your kids? How do you treat your parents? Right? I mean, the people that really know, the people that see you on your good days and your bad days. You want to talk about growing, right? This is about growing in our faith. All he's saying is, are you growing in these things? Am am, am I more conscious and disciplined in these things than I was before? And to brotherly kindness, love. You know, we have, I think this was actually the theme when I first came here to Forest Park, here, 2 Peter chapter 1, uh, verses 5 through 7. This was, remember there were like banners on the wall. We walked through these things maybe once a month, if I can remember right. It's like seven years ago, I think. Uh, Six, six years ago. But, John says, 1 John 4 and verse 8, he who does not love does not know God. Now, I know people abuse love. People talk about love in all sorts of ungodly and unbiblical ways. I, I got that. But I'm just telling you, if you don't have love for others, for your brethren, for God, for the truth, you don't know God. Period. Simple. That's the end of, this, end of the sentence. We must be growing in these things. Are you a more loving person than you used to be? Are you? A, this may come natural to some of you, but for some of you, this doesn't come natural at all. Good, grow in it. Grow in it. I've been a Christian for 25 years, right? Wow, that seems almost impossible, but that's the truth. Those numbers, some of you guys, you dwarf that. Have you grown? Have you grown in the last five years? Have you grown in the last 10 years? He says in, in verses 8 and 9, for uh, he, he says, press my button. He says, For if these things are yours and abound in you, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to pay attention to these things to keep you from falling away, to keep you from being unfruitful, to keep you from being pruned from the tree. That's what happens to unfruitful trees, right? For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. So he says, whenever I struggle in my life with with virtue or moral excellence, whenever I struggle with knowing and understanding the Scriptures, whenever I struggle with self-control or perseverance or godliness or kindness to other people or love within my heart, he says, you know what your real problem is, church? You're pretty short-sighted. You're just seeing the moment and you're not seeing the big picture. You're not seeing the spiritual reality. You have forgotten that you were cleansed from your sins. You've forgotten about what He has done for you. You forgot where you came from. So brethren, he says, be even more diligent to make your calling and election sure. He says, I want you to be purposeful in your life with your steps for if you do these things you will never stumble you ever have those moments where where you pay attention to what you're doing and then you have those moments where you don't pay attention to what you're doing we we were in um saint augustine uh this last weekend and there were lots of people that were around and we went in one of those real girly shops you know and there's just people crammed in there and all this stuff is real expensive y'all been in those shops 
okay? And there were these people that were there, and I was trying to get out of the way, okay? And I saw an opening for, to, like, to move myself out of the way. I'm trying to be a helpful person. And so I'm gliding over here really smoothly, right? And I've got these hazel hips that have gone with me all my life. And there had a thing out there, and I knocked this, I don't know, it was ceramic or glass. All I know is that when it hit the floor, it was loud, okay? And my children scattered like they didn't know who I was. What happened? I wasn't really paying attention, right? I was just, I was just, I was just doing, I was just following my instinct. I get out of the way, right? And then all of a sudden, I got a mess on the floor. Sometimes we do that in, in our regular walk, in our walk of faith, right? I'm just, I'm just moving here and I'm moving there, and I'm not, I'm not paying attention. And all of a sudden, when I, when I stop being purposeful about virtue in my life and perseverance and self-control and knowledge, right? When I'm being careful, and I'm like, I'm not going to touch that. I'm not going to step here. and I'm gonna, I don't knock stuff over then. I don't stumble then. That's what he's saying. Pay attention to your own growth. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly in the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So Peter begins this letter by saying, guys, we are the church. We are the church of Jesus Christ. And, and that's one of the greatest things that could ever be said about us. We are the people who are, who are the recipients of His precious and magnificent promises we are partakers of the, of the divine nature of God. We are the people who have escaped. We have escaped the corruption of the world. You dwell on those things. We don't want to lose that. But we don't want to stay right where we're at either. We need to grow. We, if we are going to be faithful... Whether you're 14 or, 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 or you're 84, we need to be growing in our faith if we are to hold on to our faith. So that's, what, that's, that's the reason that Peter begins in this way. Friends, here's an opportunity for you to grow in your faith. Maybe, maybe by taking hold of those promises for the very first time. Maybe by coming and repenting of sin in your life and being baptized and having your sins washed away. Do you know why we say that over and over and over again? Ms. Teresa, you got baptized a long time ago, right? You don't need to do that. But I'm telling you, there are people in this room who have never obeyed the gospel. This is your invitation to come and receive those promises. Maybe, maybe repentance is in order. Maybe you have not watched your steps. Maybe you've just followed what comes natural. And you look at your life and you say, well, I'm probably about right where I was a long time ago. Better than most. Just haven't grown very much. Then repentance is in order. I don't know if that means walking down the aisle or it means you've been getting right with God in your seat. But repentance is in order. Because He expects us and desires for us to grow. That's the invitation. You come tonight as we stand and as we sing.